I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Happy Easter! We made it! We're so happy that we have been journeying with you over the past eight episodes, the past few weeks, digging into the themes of Lent, talking about suffering and talking about rending our hearts for the Lord and embracing fasting and the challenges that come with that and what it means to lean a little more into the the sacrifices that we make in the Lenten season. But we have now arrived at Easter and we thought it would be incredibly appropriate to wrap up our journey together through the Lenten season. The few thousand people who have been listening to this show over the past few weeks who've been reading Father John Burns's book, Return, we couldn't help ourselves. We said, we have to do an Easter episode. We have to celebrate. See, that's the thing. Lent does have an end. We don't stay in Lent forever. The fruit of Lent, the fruit of Lent is what we are supposed to hold on to. Stay in Lent. We might adopt some of these habits long past Lent, but that's the fruit. That's the fruit of what we've done. And when we get to Easter, I think sometimes it's kind of hard to like jump right in, like just totally slam on the brakes of the fasting and the praying and the almsgiving and just jump right into the celebration of the Easter season. But here's where we wanted our podcast to really try to help you do that. And we thought, if we've been journeying together for the past few weeks, talking about the praying and the fasting and the almsgiving and the leaning in and the embracing of the suffering and the rending of our hearts and all those various themes that we've touched on, thanks to digging more into the the themes that Father John Burns brought forth in return, well, then let's help you selfishly, I'm helping myself, enter into the celebration of Easter. Lent is 40 days, Easter is 50 days. We Catholics like to party more than we like to suffer. That's the, the moral of the story here. But we are able to celebrate, just like Mardi Gras. We celebrate before we enter into the fasting. Now here we are at Easter. We celebrate on the other side, rejoicing, hopefully, in what God has done in our lives, certainly what we know he has done from the cross and in the tomb, which is now empty. Our guest today is a priest who has changed my life, and that's not an exaggeration. And I'm not just saying that because I want you to keep listening and talk him up. I've known Father Agostino Torres for years. I honestly don't remember the first time we met, but I remember we were at a conference together speaking and just hit it off and became pals and kept in touch. And then we hosted together the National Catholic Youth Conference with 20,000 young people in Indianapolis in November of 2019, kind of one of the last normal things youth ministry-wise, before the COVID-19 pandemic. My kids call him Father Augie. For the record, my children have never met Father Agostino in person. They've only ever seen him on Zoom or listened to his voice or know that that's who mommy's communicating with, but they love him dearly from afar. And he's, he's got such great wisdom, such great insight. As a Franciscan friar of the renewal, Father Agostino has spent time in so many amazing places around the world doing such beautiful and direct ministry really being able to enter into people's lives in a distinct and holy way and and step into their lives and comfort them and be with them. You know, just a, a couple of weeks after we recorded this podcast, Father and I got to see each other very, very quickly at the Los Angeles Religious Education Conference for Youth Day. We both were speaking in Hall B with, you know, the crowds of 5,000 kids. And so he was the first talk, I was the second talk. And so I came in to get all mic'd up and sound check, and he was still in there. And normally, like after his talk was done, he would have headed on over to the speaker's lounge and hung out with everybody. But he stuck around in the hall because there was a young woman 
who wanted to talk with him afterwards and who clearly was suffering from something. And he sat there with her for easily 30, 40 minutes, just talking with her and praying with her. When he was done, he came backstage. We got to say hi to each other, took a photo, you know, quickly reconnected. How are things? How's the family? How's the travel? And once again, I was kind of brought into this moment of of realization that, gosh, he's such a good priest and he's got such great things to share, but he most especially cares about people so much so that he was willing to spend 30, 40 minutes with this young person who just needed to keep talking after his talk was done. And I I think what you're going to hear today is the advice and the guidance of an incredible priest who's going to help you and I more fully enter into the Easter season and help find ourselves in the Easter season, which is so hard to do. Again, slamming the brakes on the praying, fasting, almsgiving to enter into the celebration of Easter. We got the Holy Week. We got the Triduum to do that. But how can we how can we make sure that we really enter into this incredible story of Christ's victory and recognize that through his victory, there's an opportunity for us to embrace a new relationship with Jesus? So sit back and enjoy this conversation, our final one for this season with Father Agostino Torres about finding ourselves in Easter. Father Agostino, it's great to see you, my friend. Welcome to Ave Explorers. It's great to be here, Katie. It's it's such a joy to to be connecting with you. Always a blessing to connect with you. It's been too long. Anytime the friars pop up, like on my social media feed, which is pretty frequent, like you guys are out there and sharing all the good work that you guys do. And I like look for pictures of you. Like, where's Father Agostino? What's he doing? Where's he going? I guess I could just text you. Like, I guess I could just say like, hey, how are you? How are things? So welcome to the show. I think it's the first time We've had you on the podcast, or it's been quite a while. Introduce yourself to our audience. Who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Absolutely. My name is Father Agostino Torres. I'm a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. We are a Franciscan community that's based in the Bronx. I am currently stationed in Patterson, New Jersey. I'm originally from South Texas, and I am a university chaplain, a member of the council of my community, and a preacher. And I go out and preach the gospel. That's what I do. The university chaplain. Is that a new responsibility or did I just miss that? Ish is, you know, I mean, some of us can multitask, (laughs) you know, I mean, they say men can't multitask, but some can (laughs) been multitasking things, basically kind of like one of those like pre and post COVID thing, like that needed like, you know, Mm. resuscitation. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. (laughs) So praise God. It's going well. Tell me a little bit about Corazon Puro, this uh, this idea of ministry specifically to young adults in this way. How did that get started? Where did the idea come from? Absolutely. So when I was first ordained, I was stationed right there in the South Bronx. And like there was like no families. There's like no married couples at all. We did the numbers and it was something around 75% of all children born were born to single parent homes to say nothing about the high abortion rate in the South Bronx as well. And so we're like, how do we resuscitate marriage? Because uh, I'm a John Paul II geek, and he was famous for for saying, "As the as the family goes, so society goes." Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if we're gonna if we're gonna bring this up, like we need to reboot families. And so our response is corazón puro. Uh, most of the young people are black, are Hispanic, and so it's just like an enculturated theology of the body human formation, basically laying the foundation for people to get married and stay married because it's hard enough as it is, as you, <laughs> as you know. And so even more so if like you're coming from like way out mm-hmm. in the inner city. 
And so that's what Corazón Puro is. And they say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And so we brought <laughs> it out to a couple of different places and people have loved it. And it's expanded. It's in a couple of different countries, a couple of different states, working hard just to kind of bring people to the altar and help them persevere in their vocations. You used that word renewal. I think that's such a great word in this idea of we can't just like slap a program together and say, okay, just follow these 10 steps. Like we have to give that that relationship witness that leads to this deeper renewal of heart that leads to, oh, I want that. Like I want to make that a priority in my life. I want a marriage that other people would look up to, a marriage that would actually get me to heaven. If there's this animating principle of we want to renew married life in a part of the world and a part of the country where it's not something that is the norm, what have you learn from that ministry, which has consumed a lot of your time and your energy and your focus, and rightly so, that has maybe kind of challenged your priesthood in other areas or has given you kind of a a different approach to, say, speaking to young people or writing books or when you get on podcast interviews. I mean, if this renewal of married life is happening, there's also a renewal happening within your priesthood. How has that affected you? That's a great question, Katie. I think the short answer is like, there's there's no possibility for faking this. Mm. Like you can't fake renewal of marriage. There's no like false numbers. It's like it is or it isn't. Like you're going into places that are broken, you know, and like there's a whole history there. And if like you don't respect that history, if you don't like know, if you don't take the time to listen, then like whatever you say is not going to have any effect on the people that you're speaking to because you're entering into an area where I tell the brothers, you know, in the inner city, respect is the Mm -hmm. currency. Mm -hmm. And so if, and respect is earned and respect is earned by time spent with the people and uh, them seeing you through thick and thin. It means going to the hospital when somebody's sick. It means going to the funerals when somebody dies. It means, you know, going to the baptisms, going to the weddings, you know, I'm really blessed that some people actually listen to what I said. Well, ultimately God said, and they got married. And so like, <laughs> you know, I'm doing weddings like here, there, everywhere. I was in Mexico doing a wedding. I was in California this past weekend doing a wedding. Like, I love it. But like, you have to be there because if like, that's part of mm. the renewal. Like mm-hmm. you walk with them. What I found is that, uh, you know, in seminary, they teach us, you know, this is how you prepare a couple for marriage. Okay, great. You sign the papers, you you make sure things are filled out. You know, this is how you get the the, the necessary paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. What they didn't tell me is that people hope and pray that you walk with them, not just to the altar, but beyond. Mm -hmm. Like you continue to be in relationship with them because that's what relationship means. At the beginning, I was just like, all right, got you married, signed, sealed, delivered, you know, got another one. But they're like, hey, um, are you going to come over for like, you know, the baptism? I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah, about that. Then I find I began to see how perhaps unsustainable successes because <laughs> if, if I have a whole bunch of couples having babies, I'm like, I can't make it to everything. So you have to also, you know, discuss clear expectations. Mm-hmm. But like that's how it's challenged me. It's, it's like there is no room for fakes mm-hmm. in this. And it's good. Yeah. It challenges me. I mean, it requires, like you said, authenticity, which I think is in short supply in our culture these days. I mean, you just have to hop on Instagram for 20 minutes, not even two minutes and, and instantly see the overfiltration or the, the nice glitzy glamour, or then the flip side of it, which this happens in mom world of like the, Oh, I'm going to show you all the messy parts. And I'm going to be like overly authentic with my messiness 
so that I'm relatable because I'm trying to sell you something. And, and it becomes this world where it kind of feels like a lot of us are just faking it. And then you get to Lent, you arrive at the end of Lent and you're like, none of that faking it can be done with the Lord. I can try, but like by week two, it's all going to fall apart. <laughs> by Holy Week, it's just going to combust in on itself. And I'm going to realize I've wasted this time or it's been really, really fruitful, but I don't know what to do next. I want to ask you, why do you think authenticity is in short supply? Do you agree with that statement? Why do you think it's hard for our world to be so authentic, for people to be authentic with each other, which then of course leads to a lack of authenticity with the Lord? I do think that authenticity is in short supply. And I do think that people are hungering for it. I think that it is in short supply because we have grown accustomed to relating with each other through media, all sorts of different, and that's in the, the Latin sense of there's a go-between uh, between you and me. And that's, and that's fine. That's not intrinsically evil mm -hmm. as much as it's made us forget what a normal human interaction is meant to be. I've, I'm emphatically enthusiastic about having dinner without technology at the mm -hmm. table. And, you know, you know, stuff comes up, you know, like people have get calls, but like, you know, to have at least a moment where like a human, human moment, human interaction, because it's an art and these things are, are forgotten. You know, people say like, you know, we don't have the technology anymore that built the pyramids, right? You know, we don't have that technology anymore. Like, well, there's a technology, if you will, about human interaction. Mm -hmm. And this is what we crave. But the thing is, like, I think it's ontological, meaning I think that it's there's something intrinsic to who we are as human beings that needs authenticity because we're we're built for communion. So I think, no offense to the archaeologists who are listening to this, but mm -hmm. I think it's it's much more grave that we're losing the technology of human interaction than than we lost the technology of building the pyramids. That's just the first example that came to my mind, you know, so please forgive my, my, um, <laughs> I'm not sure that we have a big archeological community, uh, diving you in. Never you never know. know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> that is a great point though, that we, we seem to lament the loss of some things in our world that it's like, I'm okay with that being lost. What I'm not okay with is that like the, the way that I, I feel like I get to know people these days is through a screen or through a podcast or, or through like, I go to a conference. I'm sure this has happened. This happened to us both last summer. You're speaking at a conference and a teenager comes up to you and says, oh, I follow you on social media. And you're like, cool. But like, I just shared my heart on that stage. So like, let's just like get to know each other. Like, let's just mm. have a conversation. If this authenticity is hard in the world, it's certainly going to be hard with Jesus. So what's your advice? Like, how do we grow in an authenticity with Christ to where we're unafraid to just show him who we actually are and, and not over filter it with him? I think that, that we need a paradigm shift in what we understand spirituality to be. We understand spirituality. Many times it's like, you know, like, well, I gave something up for Lent, but I failed. So I'm a failure. And that's completely not the case. You know, the fact that we offer something up for Lent isn't so much about what we do or accomplish. I mean, that's kind of vain. Mm -hmm. It's actually about building this relationship. It's about conversion. It's about friendship with, with, with Christ. And like, in the steps back, like maybe, so I, I have this thing like where I want people to stretch themselves in life, but definitely during Lent, that was my whole like mantra during Lent. Hey, you know, do something that's going to take you beyond, you know, 
it's not enough to do what you did last year. You know, think about something more. And it's not to get mm -hmm. Pelagian. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we stretch ourselves and possibly fail, God can do more with that than if we just succeed in getting to the end of Lent. And we're at the end of Lent. And like, it's like, hey, I did it. Finish line. Yeah. But like, did, did the relationship deepen? Mm -hmm. If that's the case, great. Awesome. But like, this is where the paradigm shift has to happen. It's like, you know, am I deepening in my walk with the Lord? Mm. Because God is alive and I am, have all these things around me that take me away from that. I have this, uh, this little theory. I don't know how many Jesuits listen to your podcast. <laughs> At least one um, that I know of. <laughs> so this is going to sound kind of bad, but I don't mean it bad. <laughs> So I think that Ignatian spirituality has been a real, like, positive thing for modernity, meaning the world has changed so much over the last 500 years, so much over the last 15 years, that we need to figure out how God fits into our story. Hmm. And this is a gross, you know, uh, oversimplification, broad strokes here, but like, the Ignatian spirituality, like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm imagining where I'm at and like God comes into my story. This is good. This is good. We need that. However, I would put something forth. I think now we've kind of like come to a place where we need to just put ourselves in God's story. Hmm. And that's why we got the Franciscans. <laughs> we are like, you know, the innovators in incarnationalism, you know, like let's go to the the crash scene. Let's go to the. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's let's put ourselves in that story. You know. Let's go to Christ crucified. You know the Stations of the Cross. These are Franciscan inventions, and we need to kind of put ourselves there to find who we are. And I think that's part of the paradigm shift that that is based on an authentic relationship because you can't go there unless like you're really being honest with who you are before God and who He is before you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Well, and I know you're saying this and what I wrote down was the title of the episode, if they let me title it this, like we have to find ourselves in the Easter story, right? If we're finding ourselves in God's story, we, we do a lot of making God in our own image. And, and I think we do that because we live in that very I, me driven world. And so if we can flip that script and put ourselves into God's story, okay, here's the crush scene. Where would I be standing? Here's the moment of Christ crucified. Where, where would I be? The two are not diametrically opposed. It's just kind of a different way of approaching this moment of you're being invited to contemplate and to ponder. I, I mean, I want to be really practical. We've done that for 40 days in Lent through praying and fasting and giving alms. And most Catholics just kind of hit that. Oh, okay. I'm relieved because I could have the coffee creamer back. That's what I gave up for Lent this year. I gave up coffee creamer and it's going to be hard and it, it, it will be hard. Like it just is. We're recording this before, but you know, you, you give up those little particular things, you do these little particular things and now you get them, you get them back. What's the equivalent of praying, fasting and giving alms in Easter? If I want to be in God's story in Easter and find myself in that, what do I now do? I think rejoice, be happy. It's like the, the joy of being forgiven. Like this is what we're celebrating. It's like, you know, we go through all these things. So, so like some history of Lent and some history of the way Easter came about and Holy Week and all this stuff. 
a lot of the stuff that we have, it, it goes back to Jerusalem under St. Cyril when most people getting baptized were adults. And so Lent was really like a 40-day retreat mm. in preparation for baptism. And so the practice of Lent kind of like really got solidified when people said like, wow, that was such a monumental experience. I mean, like they would do some crazy stuff. All right. You know, this is like, this is, this is going to be rated PG-13. <laughs> they would not bathe mm. for those 40 days of Lent. <laughs> Okay, like I don't know, I don't know what sort of waiver you need to sign these days to convince somebody <laughs> to do that, but like that would not fly today. I don't know. It was like part of like this. They were experiencing coming into the church, and then they would they would bathe on Holy Thursday. They would be baptized on Holy Saturday, and they would be just be covered with perfume. And they would come in. And it was such a stark change that's showing in in life. Like there's a change that has happened. Then there's also like uh, accounts of of Saint Cyril preaching his his uh, mis mystagogical catechesis, like okay, this is what all these things mean. Like people just like laughing for joy mm -hmm. and clapping because they understand what God did for us. Mm. And I think that's what we do now, and that's why we give alms. That's why we pray. That's why we we do penance because we're aware, like oh, messed up there. Let me let me backtrack. Katie, did you ever, did, did you know that I was baptized as a teenager? No. Wait, I've known you for years and I've never known that. So what that means is I remember my yeah, first you remember. sin. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah, long story short, you know, my, my parents went through something called the 70s and, you know. <laughs> I've seen the movies. They, they, they had a roundabout, you know, journey back. But so I was, I was 13 years old, went through RCIA, got baptized. And I was, I remember getting baptized thinking like, okay, am I going to see things in like brighter colors now? It's like, <laughs> of course that didn't happen, but I do remember my first sin and I was aware of it. But the fact that a 13 year old is aware of sin, this is a, a deeper level of understanding. And then of course, you know, God didn't waste any time for me. It was, by the time I was 19, I was considering the priesthood which is, you know, a pretty short turnaround given how things yeah. are going these days. <laughs> but being aware of that sin and going to confession, say like, yeah, you know, I know I did wrong. I, I basically, I, I, I said a, a mean word to my brother in the parking lot, leaving the church mm -hmm. on Easter vigil. It didn't take me very long. But to be aware of that is, is aware of the relationship. Mm -hmm. This is what we can do in Easter. This is, this is how we can live it. Like I'm aware of this relationship. This is why I prayer penance and, and almsgiving makes sense because I'm aware of who he is and how he loves me. I'm aware that I don't understand it. I still don't understand God's mercy. I know how it works, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's so mind blowing. You forgive me again. Mm. Thank you. Like really? Wow. Mm -hmm. And so like coming into that deepening of the, that understanding is something that I can bring in this season of Easter, this season of rejoicing. So you you just mentioned, like, am I going to see things in brighter colors? And I, I instantly remembered this random scene from 30 Rock, which is not a show that would probably get referenced in many Catholic podcasts, but this is my Catholic podcast. So we're going to reference it. And they, <laughs> they're talking great. about like when TVs turned HD in the early 2000s. And so there's like this, now everything is 
is heightened. And so one of the characters walks past the HD camera and he's like a Muppet. Like he turns from person to Muppet because that's just kind of the character. Liz Lemon walks past and all of a sudden she's got all these warts on her face. Like HD gives us this heightened awareness. And it's almost like Lent puts us into this HD TV mode of the heightened frailty, our heightened sinfulness, my heightened failures, but that's not supposed to just turn me into this wallowing. Oh, I'm so awful. I'm such, I'm such a bad Catholic. It's supposed to make us needier. Pope Francis has been talking about this a lot lately. Like we should be needy for God and not pretend like we have it all together. Why is that harder and harder as maybe our lengths go on, right? You become more invested in your Catholic faith. So we turn on that heightened awareness in Lent. It's kind of hard to turn it off in Easter or it's kind of hard mm. to flip the switch from woe is, is me or I'm removing all these things from my life so I can be closer to Jesus. And now Jesus is back and he wants to be even closer to me. You're saying we should rejoice. What does rejoicing look like in the life of the average Catholic? What does rejoicing look like in the, in the monk house, not the monk house, the, what's the word I'm looking for in the friary? <laughs> what's the, what does it look like? <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> So, uh, so we were serious about fasting at the beginning of Lent. We, we got together and we, we decided what we were going to do as a house and each brother has certain things that they do privately. And so it's like, you know, we're, we were waking up earlier, praying a little bit more and, you know, offering fasts, you know, soup every Friday, mm. you know, it's a little, you know, it's just a little, little thing that we do. Um, it's ultimately, it's not going to save us. Like, you know, the <laughs> fact that I ate soup on Fridays during Lent isn't going to like, okay, you get right in. No, it's, it's a way of kind of like, you know, reminding me. And like, now that we're done with that, yo man, we have steak, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just like, there's beer at the table, you know, like, you know, because this is part of the way that we show that we're rejoicing. St. Francis, there's a story of this going back to Christmas. One of the friars uh, asked St. Francis, uh, what happens if Christmas comes on a Friday? Mm. Do we fast on Christmas? <laughs> And St. Francis was like, if if Christmas is on a Friday, we're going to cover the walls with meat. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it's an Italian, it makes more sense in Italian, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, we're not going to do penance mm -hmm. on, on these days. It's not about, you know, just that. It's about the relationship we're re recognizing. Yo, Jesus is out of the desert. And, you know, this time of prayer, penance and almsgiving is necessary for us to kind of like get back into spiritual shape. And now we're going to walk in that victory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we do. But what exactly we do, it's like, you know, like all those invitations to go out to eat. It's usually, we mostly celebrate at the table, Katie. That's <laughs> basically, I, we're guys. I've been, you, we're as soon as you said beer at the table, I was like, well, I took Father Juan Diego to lunch one time and he ordered the biggest margarita I've ever seen <laughs> on a Sunday. And like the rest of us at the table are like, I mean, it is Sunday. The Lord rose on this day. Why wouldn't he order the fishbowl margarita? Now he shared it with multiple people. It was not a solo endeavor, but yeah. I mean, if, if we are truly in this relationship, this relationship that I sacrificed to grow in, he's out of the grave. He's not just out of the desert. Like he has risen from the grave. Why wouldn't we throw a party? Why wouldn't we try to make that a priority? Father John in his book, I mean, he starts the Easter Sunday, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. We buried the Alleluia as a family this year. And I can't wait to dig it up on Easter Sunday because it's going to be this, like, we finally get to say it again. We made a small penance as a family last year that we're doing again this year where we didn't listen to secular music in the car, which is hard for my family to do because we like to dance and we like music and we have lots of playlists. And so 
come Easter Sunday morning, we are, we're cranking the Lizzo. We are cranking the Taylor Swift. Like we are back <laughs> into party zone and we shouldn't feel bad about that. Do you feel like sometimes Catholics feel bad that we switch so quickly into party mode or that we switch so quickly into the rejoicing? Is you're speaking to Franciscan right here who Friday we're fasting, Saturday we are feasting. So <laughs> I have no problem with that. It's just, it's a quick turnover. I think, uh, yeah, to that point, if there's somebody out out listening who may be struggling, you know, with like, well, how much is too much? You know, I don't want to be gluttonous. And mm-hmm. I just want to say it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to make it complicated. When we feast, we feast. When we fast, we fast. That's it. That's it. Don't get too crazy on either end. That's basically that's Catholic teaching. That's virtue. <laughs> I just quoted Aristotle in a different way. No, you did. You technically think, did. Yeah. There's, the, like, we do, and we do overcomplicate. Just, I think that's maybe back to that original question. That's why sometimes authenticity is hard because we're overcomplicating. Okay, what do people think about me? Or am I saying this the right way? Or are they going to think less of me because I do this or do that? There was a, a guy in college, he gave up hot food for Lent. And, and it was like, it's a great thing to do. Like he's just eating salads and sandwiches and like basic things. But then like halfway through the Lenten season, like you could see, he was like, oh my gosh, is everybody watching to, to see if I'm like actually sticking to it, right? Like we set these unreasonable expectations. We get overly complicated with it. When we fast, we fast. When we feast, we feast. And you'll be feasting this Easter. I want to make a quick jump because I'd, I'd be a bad podcast host if I didn't. We live by liturgical seasons and Ave has been doing these liturgical season reflection journals. We've had two from Sister Miriam and two from Father John Burns, and we're about to get one from you. Can you tell us just a little bit about the Advent book that you've got coming out in a few months? Absolutely. Got a little Franciscan flavor for Advent (laughs) coming up, coming your way. And I really went in deep on Nazareth, Mm. how Nazareth is a place of silence, but a place where God grew, literally, and how God grows in that silence and that in that hiddenness and taking that approach to Lent. Uh, sorry, uh, we just got through Lent. <laughs> taking that approach to Advent so that we can prepare for Christmas. And if I may, I would love, I'm going to show you some of the meditations I, I put together on St. Joseph, Katie, because mm. I would love to get your two sets. Yeah. Because I was just like, I was just like in a whole other place, you know, just like walking with St. Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You know, I had never kind of like taken that perspective, but just like really, really interesting stuff. So that's that's what's coming up for Advent. Oh, we're so excited. And you, of course, with this Corazon Pura ministry, I understand y'all have some new stuff that y'all are doing to raise funds for mission trips. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So one of the things we do in Corazon Puro is like we go on mission trips, usually to Central America, but also to other parts of the, of the country when people kind of just like want retreats and talks. And so... The way that the young people raise money is that they started making skincare products. <laughs> Better than beauty counter, these, folks. <laughs> this is not my area of expertise. I must, I'm, as you could, well, you can't see, it's a podcast. <laughs> Some of the, the ladies, they, they're, they've very well read in essential oils and all these other things. Put, put some things together and it's all biblically based. Uh, it's called Our Lady's Face because as they said, whenever Our Lady appears, she always has great skin. Things that I admittedly didn't really think about, but I see it now. So, I mean, yeah, if, if uh, people can support us in OurLadiesFace.com, 
And we're very happy for that and support the missions. We'll put the link down in the show notes. Father, it's always great to chat with you. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for taking the time. Christ is risen. Thank you, Katie. God bless you. And that's it, my friends. We're so happy that you spent some time with us this season. You know, one of the things that we are most proud of at Ave Explorers, it's not the download numbers. It's not the clicks that lead to our website. It's not the book sales. That's not why we're doing this. I always feel like I kind of have to remind people that when we started Ave Explorers in the summer of 2019, we did so always intending a couple of things. One, this podcast and what we create with Ave Explorers will always be free. This is something that we want you to be able to turn to, to listen to, to share, to really help you and I, the everyday Catholics sitting in the pews, to dig into our faith more, to understand what we believe just a little bit better, to be able to talk about our faith confidently and joyfully. And we've done that now for 19 seasons, and we've just been incredibly proud of everything that we've created. From top to bottom, start to finish, what we've done, every conversation, every episode, I think we're just getting better. And truly, I think we're just getting started. Sure, we're 19 season, well over 150 episodes in. We've, we're have we coming up on a half million downloads and are just thrilled that so many people have loved what we've created and have shared what we've created. And we are so excited that we're far from finished. This season's wrapping up now and we'll have a couple of week break while we build up and start to prepare for our brand new season, Ave Explores the Eucharist. We, we did a season on the Mass last year, which was so well-received and so shared across social media that we thought, you know what, let's have a conversation about the Eucharist in our lives, in our hearts, this moment of revival that we are in as an American church, the Eucharistic revival building up to the Congress next summer. But really, what is going on in our heads and in our hearts when we encounter the Eucharist, when we try to become Eucharistic people? We've got some incredible, incredible folks lined up for this season. I can't wait for you to hear from them. I can't wait for you to meet them. I've already done a couple of the interviews, and I'm just so stoked for what you're going to get to hear. We're also really excited that we're going to have kind of a little bonus component in each of our episodes about the Eucharist. We're also going to invite on for a little bit of practical teaching at the end of every episode, one of the appointed Eucharistic preachers, one of these priests that has been appointed by the bishops to go out and to talk about the Eucharist and to encourage people to more fully love Jesus in the Eucharist. And so I I can't wait to have those very practical conversations, things like, how do I pray in Eucharistic adoration? What's the scientific proof that the Eucharist is real? What, what are some of these other aspects of theological understanding as well as practical living? We are so excited for this season. It'll be our 20th season, which is pretty substantial. You know, most podcasts peter out 10 episodes in, but we're going strong. Well over 150 episodes, close to a half million downloads, 20 seasons. So we would absolutely love it if right now we would take a second and, and give a rating for our podcast give it a review, tell us what you think. We'd be really grateful for that feedback. But we'd also really love it if you'd share. Just shoot somebody a text, post it on your social media, send it in an email. Heck, you can hire a carrier pigeon, but just tell people about Ave Explorers because I am convinced. I work on a lot of audio projects. I've got a couple other podcasts. I have a daily radio show on Sirius XM, but Ave Explorers is my baby. And this show is the one that I think I put my heart and soul into the most. And I cannot wait for this Ave Explores Eucharistic season that's coming. Wrapping up this season with a a conversation about Easter is launching us perfectly into conversations about the Eucharist. 
It'll be starting at the end of April and going up to the Feast of Corpus Christi. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure that you're following our show. Give it that rating and review. Share it with your friends. And know, most especially, that we are praying for you as you enter into the Easter season. And we'll be back real soon with a lot more of Ave Explorers. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.